Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. Appreciate you joining me this time. These days, I'm learning to ask God. I call him Papa. We can be referring to Jesus or the Holy Spirit. I don't think they uh, mind which one we call them. But I'm learning to ask Papa, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say in any given circumstance? A few weeks ago, my wife and I were scheduled to go over to our son and daughter-in-law's house on a Friday evening to take care of their two little boys, our grandsons, who are six and three years old. And I was looking forward to that. I enjoy being with them. It's physically hard for me to do that at their house for more than an hour or so, just simply because their furniture's different than ours. I have some challenges with back and leg pain, and I've got a routine, and I've got some things at home that I can sit in and stuff like that that alleviate that pain or keep it from getting any worse. And so I'm always a little anxious when I'm going to go somewhere else for several hours where I know that it's going to be painful, but, you know, I was okay. Then later on in the day before we went over there, I did hurt my back lifting something that I shouldn't have. So I'm thinking about that evening, and I said, okay, Papa, what do you want me to do? And I just heard him say, stay home tonight. And my wife was fine with that because sometimes it's like her having to take care of three kids instead of two when I'm there and hurting and in pain. So she was fine with that. So I decided to stay home. So after dinner, taking some pain pills, and I've got a heat pack on my leg and the TENS unit and all that kind of stuff. And I said, all right, Papa, what do you want me to do tonight? Read, watch some news shows. There was a big day in Washington that day, a lot of stuff going on that I was interested in. I always work to do. And I just heard Papa saying, I want you to go look at your Grace to All Facebook page. Well, I'd been checking that off and on all day, as I do every day. But I said, oh, okay. And the very first post there was called Blueprints and Butterflies by Melissa Rimple. She's a, an author and a musician, Facebook friend of mine from Canada. She's a great, great writer, a neat lady. And she talked about in that, you can find her on Facebook at Melissa Rimple, R-E-M-P-E-L, uh, and look up that that post, Blueprints and Butterflies. It's really good. <clears throat> she talked about taking a trip into the mind of Christ before creation and meeting her real self, the real her, as she's always been since before creation. Well, that was fascinating to me. And I just sensed Papa saying, okay, Paul, that's what I want you to do with me tonight. Let's do that. So we did. I felt like what the Apostle Paul said after Jesus took him up into heaven. He saw things that were indescribable. He didn't have words, human words to describe them. 
mystics say that a lot, you know, but then we go ahead and try to use human words as best we can to describe something that's supernatural. Well, after that journey with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I started writing things down afterwards, and I put it in my journal folder where I have things that I go over periodically. Every morning, I don't read through everything every morning, but ones that are appropriate for the time. Well, I've been reading about this and thinking about it every morning since then. Papa, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit showed me what I was like when they created me before they created the universe and what we were all like totally one with them, pure union in their divine triune circle dance of love. And of course, everything good comes from their love, joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and the faith of Christ and the Holy Spirit power and grace and mercy and compassion. It's all fun. It's totally full of joy. It's like a dance where we're all doing this circle dance together, just enjoying great hilarity, total goodness, pure light. They showed me that I, with them before creation, was pure light, pure heart, perfect love, pure joy, full of grace, dazzling white, loyal, fun, music, happy sounds. Childlike, not childish, but childlike, inquisitive, smiling. They impressed upon me all of these different things that they created me as. These are not things that I worked up or tried to do. This is who I was in the very beginning and who I still am and who I always will be. Now, when I came to earth, I forgot those things as we all did. And They're in the process of revealing to us who we truly are. One day when Jesus is fully revealed in us and as us, we will know as we've always been known. We will see him, who he is completely and totally. And as we're looking in a mirror, the same type of thing, we will see ourselves, who we have always been, who we are, and who we always will be. Well, taking that little trip, with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit into before time, back before creation. That was a mighty work of God that God did with me to show me who I was. And I believe that he divinely orchestrated that. He didn't have me hurt my back, but he took advantage of that opportunity in working out all things for the good. And then because I took the time, now this is not, I don't uh, take credit for this. This is just how things work with him. When I listen to him and ask him what to say and what to do, then he uses those things, works those things for my good and shows me what he wants to show me. You've all had mighty works of God in your life. Those are your story. In my book, Convertible Conversations, I make a point all throughout it with the grandfather who's raising his son. He tells his son, whose name is Jack. He says, Jack, everyone has a story. And as they meet different people, uh, waiters and store owners and policemen and teachers and people in hospital, all kinds of stuff, he says over and over again to his young grandson, Jack, everybody has a story. Things aren't what they appear to be. Everybody has a story. Well, that is true. I still believe that. And I probably would use that phrase again in the book. But now I'm coming to realize that not only does everyone have a story, Everyone 
is a story. Everyone is a story full of mighty works of God. And only you can tell your story accurately and with Holy Spirit power. Only you can tell your story. You know, people write stories about other people, you know, a biography, but only you can write your own biography. Only you can tell your own story accurately and with Holy Spirit power. The term witness has been, well, changed into not what it really originally was. A witness is someone who sees something firsthand, personally, who experiences what happened. Witnessing is telling what you yourself experienced and saw. Now, in a religious context, this is where the word has been, I'll say bastardized for lack of a better word. That's probably a good word. I used to think witness was to tell somebody about Adam and Eve and the fall and how Adam had the power to infect everybody ever since then with a sin disease and tell people you are a sinner and you're damned to hell. But God had a plan and he sent Jesus and Jesus came and died for us and gave us the opportunity to go to heaven and miss hell. And what you have to do now is to ask him to come into your heart and to forgive you. And he will do it. He'll give you a ticket to heaven. But then you can void that ticket if you don't keep on doing what he wants you to do. Not only do you have to gain but maintain a right relationship with God. That's what religion is. Now, I thought that was witnessing. Tell somebody that story. And, of course, what I was taught was and what I you know, just jumped onto was the more Bible verses I could quote, of course, my interpretation of them, the more doctrines that I could explain, doctrines that I thought were right, the better witness I was. There was no mention of love or grace. I didn't know love or grace then. And truth be told, I wasn't all that interested in helping the other person. I was interested in getting a notch on my evangelism gun. I'm sorry that was true, and I hate to admit it, but it was true. Now, I knew Bible verses and doctrines. I knew about who I thought God was, but I didn't know the real true God. I didn't know love and grace. Now, I understand that witness, to be a witness, to witness to someone, is to tell your firsthand personal story about who and what you see and experience with God, with God. Not a history lesson about other people long ago. Not a formula to get Christ to give you a ticket to heaven and a get out of hell free card. Nothing like that. Witnessing is literally telling about the mighty works of God in your life. Not what you've done, but what God has done, is doing, and will do. I think back to the second chapter of Acts, which was a chapter, the end of it, with, that we initially started our church and built it on. But I want to talk today about the first part of Acts chapter 2. The situation is this. <clears throat> Jesus had spent three and a half years on earth doing his ministries 24 7, 365 with the disciples, a lot of that time with a broader group of people, too. And he's crucified, he died, he's raised from the dead. We died with him, and we were raised from the dead with him. He spent another 40 days appearing to over 515 people, loving people, giving them unconditional love and grace, showing them that 
even if they deserted him or abandoned him or betrayed him, didn't make any difference. He still loved them completely, just as he prayed on the cross, Father, forgive all these people because they don't know what they're doing. So he came to reveal the Father, who the Father really is to us, to show us that God is love and grace, and we're all included. So he did that in those 40 days after he rose from the dead. Then he appeared one last time to the disciples when they were out fishing, and early in the morning he showed up and fixed them some breakfast, and they hadn't caught anything. And he told them to throw the net on the other side, and they caught 157 large fish. And they realized it was Jesus, and they came in, and they spent some time with him. And he reassured Peter and the others. It was a wonderful time. And then he said, okay, now, I'm going to go back to the Father, and I want you guys to go to Jerusalem go to the upper room where they'd had their last supper dinner. And it was a big place because there were 120 to 150 of them in that room. He said, I want you to go there and wait until I send you the Holy Spirit. So they did. Well, they were pretty good at waiting, but, you know, midway through it, they got a little anxious and they decided they needed to do some things that God hadn't asked them to do. And so they did them you know, one particular thing, and that's for another story, but that didn't work out so well. God had other plans. But then 10 days after they'd been there, which was 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead, that's the day of Pentecost. Pente means 50, 50 days after Jesus rose. Acts chapter 2, on the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly, they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once, a pillar of fire, God is fire, and fire is good. God's fire is. A pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. They were filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit, empowered, and they spoke about the wonderful things God was doing. See, the words we use to witness describe something that's indescribable, and we can't do it in our own power. The Holy Spirit in us inspires us and empowers us to tell about the wonderful things God has done. Verse 5, now at that time, there were Jewish worshipers who had immigrated from many different lands to live in Jerusalem. When the people of the city heard the roaring sound, crowds came running to where it was coming from, stunned over what was happening, because each one could hear the disciples speaking in his or her own language. Now, these guys were Galileans. They had an accent. It would be like today in the United States, a deep Southern accent. Yeah, you speak English, but it sounds different than, for example, if you're a Northeasterner or a Midwesterner. It's a different accent that you have. So, all these people could hear them. They knew that they were Galileans. They were bewildered. They said, look, these guys are all Galileans. They got the Southern accent. So how is it that we hear them speaking in our own language? We are Northeastern Iranians, Northwestern Iranians, Elamites, those from Mesopotamia, Judea, East Central Turkey, the coastal areas of the Black Sea, Asia, North Central Turkey, Southern Turkey, Egypt, Libyans, who are neighbors of Cyrene, visitors from all over the Roman Empire, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Yet we hear them speaking 
of God's mighty wonders or the wonderful things God has done in our own dialects. These people were witnessing. They were telling of God's wonderful things in their lives personally, and God gave them supernatural power to say it in languages that people could understand because they didn't understand the language that the people were speaking. So they all stood there, verse 12, dumbfounded and astonished, saying to one another, what is this phenomenon? Some of them, though, poked fun at him and said, ah, they're just drunk on new wine. They couldn't see the obvious. Peter stood up with the 11 apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, my fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. You need to clearly understand what's happening here. These people are not drunk, as you think they are, because it's only nine o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk at all. Well, it's interesting. He goes on to say, this is the fulfillment of what was prophesied through the prophet Joel. For God says, this is what I will do in the last days. Now, Joel was prophesying for God under the inspiration of God in the book of Joel. God says, I will pour out my Holy Spirit on every body, all people. God did that at the time when it was his time to do it without anybody asking or qualifying or working up faith or anything. God poured out his Holy Spirit on everyone. He said, I will cause your sons and daughters to prophesy. He's giving equal status to women there, which didn't happen in that society. Your young men will see visions and your old men will experience dreams from God. The Holy Spirit will come upon everyone, all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I will reveal startling signs and wonders. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, here was their focus. These people were telling about what they had experienced, what God was doing in their lives, totally of God's initiative and character. They listened to God. They stayed in the room for 10 days. They waited. Then at God's timing, God did what he promised centuries before. Now, Peter was the main human character in that story in the book of Acts. Look at what he wrote later in 1 Peter 3.15. Give reverent honor in your hearts to the anointed one and treat him as the Lord Yahweh. Yahweh means I am. Recognize that Jesus is I am and treat him as such. And if anyone asks about the hope living in you, always be ready to explain your faith. If anyone asks, like the people asked Peter there on that day in uh, Acts chapter 2, if anyone asks about the hope living in you, always be ready to witness, to explain your faith. Now, let me ask you, and I'm asking myself as well, why would anyone ask you about the hope living in you? What would cause someone to even ask you about the hope living in you? Well, we see the reason why with this same church in the book of Acts, a couple of chapters later, Acts 4, verse 33. With great power, Holy Spirit power, the apostles gave witness. They talked about what they'd seen and what had happened in their life to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace 
was upon them all. How would you know great grace was upon someone? You can see it. <laughs> you can see when great grace is upon somebody. Grace and joy come from the same Greek root word, kara karis. Grace and joy are synonymous. You can see joy in someone's life. Then you can see grace in someone's life. Nobody's going to ask you about the hope in you if you're a negative, complaining sourpuss who's always talking about how bad things are and how bad people are. Nobody's going to ask you about the hope in you if that's your attitude. And I have to watch that myself because I can certainly be guilty of spending time bad-mouthing what harmful, destructive religion has done to hurt people instead of talking about what God is doing to make everything right. So I, I have to take that into consideration myself. My story, which I'll, I'll just recap a little bit of it here now, when I was in my late 30s, I was very successful at the field that I was in, in entertainment and jazz music. But I just, I came up empty. I had the dream job. We had standing room only crowds five nights a week. But I just, I literally came up empty. I thought, man, I thought when I got to this point, that was supposed to be it. And I'd be fulfilled and happy and full of joy and everything would be great. And it wasn't. And at the time I met a guy, I'd, I'd met him before, but I started spending time with him, having lunch with him every Friday. A guy who was 20 years older than me, he, he was probably 50 then. He was full of joy. He was full of life. He was a very successful businessman. He was obviously happy. His wife and kids adored him. He was in great demand as a uh, business consultant and to share his wisdom and knowledge. He was just really fun to be with. And I just didn't really enjoyed being with him. So did everybody else. So one time after lunch with him, when everybody else had left, his name was Glenn Wilkins. And I said, Glenn, I want what you have. I, I don't know what it is, but I can see something in you that's totally different than me or anybody else, and I want what you have. And he told me, in language that I could understand at the time, that he had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'd never heard the term. I went to church. I was on the board of the largest church in our town. I prayed, but it was mainly God fix this or get me out of that or help me with this or that. I didn't know unconditional love. I didn't know grace. I had no idea of who God really was or who I was, but he did. He said, what I want you to do, if you want to have what I have, get a Bible in today's language. I didn't know they had those. And he said, start reading in the book of John and ask. Jesus to speak to you. Hear from him personally. Well, that sounded crazy to me, but I was so empty. I said, I'll give it a try. So I got a Bible, a New American Standard. I started spending time every morning reading in the book of John. And I just said, Jesus, if you're there, speak to me, reveal yourself to me. And Jesus did. And he's never stopped. Now, the reason that came about was I saw joy in this man. I wanted to know the reason for his hope. And he was able to tell me in language that I could understand at the time, in just a few words, what I needed to do. He had an answer that I could understand. He had hope living in him. 
and I saw it. And so I asked him, what is the reason for the hope living in you? So I have to ask myself that these days, and I'm going to ask you today. What is the hope living in you, and is that hope apparent and obvious for all to see? I'm not laying a guilt trip on myself or you or anybody else. This is not something we have to try and work hard to make happen. This is something the Lord does as we relate to him and know that we are in him and he is in us and we are one with him and we start letting Jesus live as us. Because when Jesus lives as us, it's Jesus living and smiling and laughing and encouraging and helping and ministering to people, not us trying to figure out what to do and do it in our own strength. Colossians 1, 26 to 29, this is the Passion Translation, and I love how this translation says what Paul said 2,000 years ago. He said, there is a divine mystery. At that time, no one else knew this but Paul. Jesus revealed it personally to him. He says, there is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations. But now it's being revealed and unfolded and manifested for every holy believer to experience. This divine mystery was being started being revealed 2,000 years ago, and it's been being revealed more and more and more all the time every day since then. He said, here it is, living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people, and God wants everyone to know it. Christ is our message. Paul said, we preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into the full understanding of truth. He said, it's become my inspiration, and mine too, and passion and ministry, and mine too, to labor with a tireless intensity, with his power flowing through me to present to every believer the revelation of their being perfect and one in and with Jesus Christ. That's who we are. We are perfect. That's who we have been since before creation, who we have always been. We just forgot that. We lost sight of that. We didn't know what we didn't know. But now we know the mystery. Christ is embedded in us in everybody, Paul said. And God wants us to tell people so that everybody knows it. Here's our takeaway. Listen to Christ in you. See who you've always been before creation, who the real you now is. Realize that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Let Jesus live as you. And as he does, people will come and ask you, what's different about you? You've changed from what you used to be. Or maybe I just met you, but there's something about you that's different than most people. What is it? They may not say, what's the reason for the hope in you? But like I did with my friend Glenn Wilkins, they'll say, what is it with you? Why are you happy and full of joy? And what is this difference in your life? And we can tell them, same thing what I have, you have. You already have Christ in you. 
the hope of glory. So learn to tell your story when somebody asks. You don't have to memorize Bible verses. You don't have to come up with a long-winded thing or write up tracts or anything else. Just tell in your own words, concisely, if you can. That's hard for me. Just tell in your own words, hey, I finally learned because Jesus told me that Jesus lives in me and he loves me and he always has. And he's never been mad at me. God's not angry. He's not keeping a list of all of our wrongs. There is no eternal punishment for me or anybody else. There's only unconditional love and grace and joy and inclusion and acceptance for you and me and everyone. What's not to like about that? That's your story. And it's my story, too. Everyone has a story. Everyone is a story. You are a story. His story. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time on Grace to All with Paul Gray. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.